0: Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com.
1: Welcome in to Groundhog's Day, February 2nd, 2024. Kyle L. and Ray Flowers with you at Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com. Uh, Ray, I know it's quite early in your neck of the woods out there on the west coast, but uh, did you catch what uh, Puxitani Phil, uh, if he if he saw his shadow or not? Early, I saw somewhere? someone
0: holding him up in the yeah.
1: photo, but I did not. What was the result? I did not pay attention. Uh, I, early spring, I know that early okay. spring. Uh, now remember, years ago, do you remember this, Ray? We I interviewed did. the Puxitani Phil handler, maybe the guy yep. in charge yep. of, of we Mr. Did. Phil. The groundhog, um, not the guy who lifts him, but the guy, Ray, who in effect takes care of Phil, the groundhog, all year long. And I, I'm i trying to recall, he wouldn't even tell us how many fills there have been. Right. He said a few, or he was cagey. He was very cagey, yeah. And they never tell you when it's a new fill. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he is, what a job, man. Keep keeping in charge of Phil, the groundhog. Yeah, I remember that. We did have, I remember that.
0: Yes, I was just going to bring it up if you didn't, but of course your memory yeah. is. Probably better than mine. So there you go.
1: Yeah, that was a few years back. Uh, today, we will have no such guests. Today, we will not have guests. Today, you get Ray and I uh, talking baseball, talking football. Still no Super Bowl, if you hadn't known. Uh, what would we? be? Nine days away uh, from getting things going in Vegas. There is big news, though, on the football side. Ray, you were telling me over at fantasyguru.com, uh, for those who are uh, maybe uh, thinking about a wager or two going into next week, for those who are thinking DFS going into the big game between the Chiefs and the 49ers, things just got a bit cheaper. For those football fans right they did you can see it there on the
0: screen uh we keep r- dropping prices i feel like we're sale 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 like it's we're doing something here but uh we dropped it down to 1999 and that gets you the super bowl betting package that we've been talking about that gets you access to all the seasonal football that we do that gets you access to all the dfs we do so you get everything for the next week uh, and like i said yesterday you can go and look back at rankings you can look at articles you can read you know reviews Everything's available to you. And you also get the betting package, which of course you get with the the Super Bowl package. 1999. That also includes franchise mode. So it goes beyond the Super Bowl. It gets you a kind of our run up to the draft, if you will, for football as well. So yeah, the price is down to 1999. It's a price of a couple beers at a, at a bar with your friend on a Friday night. Uh, you get all the stuff we got over at fantasyguru.com when it comes to football.
1: Yep. So that's on the football side. On the baseball side, as usual, a draft guide is out. $40 gets you in for the season. Use that promo code FSD20. You may see $50 on that price tag, but again, use FSD20 when you check out. That drops at another $10. And again, it gets you the draft guide in the whole season, all of 2024, the entire summer. And Ray Flowers is daily uh, giving you information on season-long play. So uh, do check that out. Of course, we got a lot of baseball to talk about today because, Ray, we had a big trade, big, big trade. Uh, man, what a week for an Orioles fan. Uh, Phil Backard is probably going to go on a four-day bender. Uh, it's been a right. while since he's got to celebrate the Orioles, but they finally got, it sounds like, the Angelos family. Got them out of Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ray, no sooner do they get news of a new owner and, and all this fresh money and excitement. Now they got Corbin Burns. I mean, how awesome. This is what everybody's been saying all year, Ray. Got to get an ace, got to get an ace. They got themselves an ace, didn't they?
0: They did, and uh, I was out. It happened to be the trade went down when I was actually walking my dog at Aliassi Dog on Instagram. Uh, I was walking him, and I get from Phil all capital letters on a text: "Burns." And I'm like, "What the hell? He got traded?" <laughs> and I pull my phone because I don't know where. Because that's all he did. And I'm like, "Oh, it's to the Orioles." No wonder why it's all capital letters. Uh, but yeah, Phil was pretty pumped up, and uh, the Orioles. I mean, they're, the, the Orioles are going. Through the roof and the brewers might be going through the floor
1: yeah a little, little different on the milwaukee side which honestly i i and we'll get into this but i appreciate the reset it's it's a well-run franchise and they realize they'd kind of come to the end of the road with some of this uh that doesn't mean they'll be back to contending in two years or something but they needed a reset guys leaving you know it kind of started with hater you know yelich is is getting older and nearing the end of his contract it's it's a youth movement in Milwaukee. So you've had a good, I mean, they've been going strong for a good eight, nine years. So this is kind of normal for people who don't know Milwaukee. I think they are dead last in market size in major league baseball. They're somewhere in the thirties, but it's a very small market, but a very competitive team and good ownership overall. So we will discuss it from the O's perspective, from the Brewers perspective. And of course, from the fantasy perspective Uh, while Phil Backert's going crazy about his Orioles, Ray Flowers is uh, not so crazy about his Giants. Uh, They continue to kind of sit on the sidelines. A little bit of news there. Uh, They want to sign guys, but what do you know? Scott Boris is in the way. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Ray is going to recommend some new categories for fantasy baseball, some things to uh, maybe kick the tires on as you get set for your upcoming fantasy baseball season. We've been talking about getting rid of categories all week long. Uh, Whether you agree with that or not, Ray's got some suggestions for improving fantasy baseball. Uh, We will finish up our discussion of all things first base coming up later today. We'll talk to the rookies that you may get introduced to here in 2024. And then we'll finish things off with a a little bit of uh, NFL news. Uh, The Packers got news on Aaron Jones and Jordan Love. We'll finish up the tight end position talking about rookies and maybe where to draft that position In 2024, because the depth is there. Does that change the goals? Does that change the uh, spot in which you get excited about tight ends? A big thank you to everybody joining us here live on a Friday morning. Uh, Just as much, we thank those that uh, download the podcast and listen to us, whether it's in the afternoon or the evening, whenever you get a chance. Uh, Chat rooms open, so uh, if you're following us on the YouTube channel, uh, X, Facebook, wherever you're at. Uh, By all means, send us any questions or thoughts. Okay, Ray, let's start with the big news. Corbin Burns. Um, Again, he's been on the market. He was upset with the team last year, went through the whole arbitration mess. Uh, Worth noting this year, he just took whatever they were offering. He didn't want to go through that again. So he just took the, and he's getting paid well. Um, But, Ray, the the writing was on the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, He he was moving on after this season, uh, was going to be traded at some point. Um, I, I, I think, and again, we'll get to the Brewers' side. I think they did pretty good in this trade. Like you're getting rid of an all-star pitcher. I don't think it's ever safe to say, Oh, we got a good deal. Uh, but I thought they did pretty well. What are the Orioles getting here? They needed a horse and an ace like this. I think Burns fits the bill, but we're obviously more driven by the fantasy considerations. Um, SP one for you, when you look at Corbin Burns, does he land into that realm for 2024? I think he does, and there's there's a
0: little bit of concern, but again, it's pitching in 2024, right? Uh, you look at his workload the last two years, he's one of the, the top-end guys in all of baseball, 200 innings, 190 innings. Uh, the year before that, he was at 167, so he's given volume. Since he really broke out uh, back in 2021, the last two years have seen a pullback, and I think the biggest concern isn't that he's going to fall on his face or his is going to be 3-9 or anything like that, The biggest concern is the strikeout pullback. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at in 2021 when he really emerged, strikeout rate was almost 36%, which is a massive number for a starting pitcher, massive. Last year, or two years ago, it was 31%, which is still elite. Last year was 25.5%. So we're talking about a 10% drop, which in reality is like a third of his overall number. That's huge. Now the league average is about 20, it's high 22s. So at 25.5, we're still looking at a guy who can strike out a batter printing and all that kind of stuff. But when you see the velocity dip a little bit and you see the strikeout rate pull back as it has, you have to change the expectations a little bit. I think bottom line is in a fantasy space, would we rather have 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings and have 162 innings pitched? Or would you rather have nine in- strikeouts per innings and have 195 innings pitched? So I think yeah. it works out for us in the fantasy space in the end.
1: In the last like three years, he has been taking the ball and pitching and and ray that is so critical now in in today's baseball and for the orioles it's very important mm-hmm. but i'm looking at the last three years ray he is top five in all of baseball for innings mm-hmm. k's um war FIP, sierra um era he's seventh
0: mm-hmm.
1: and again three-year frame so about the only knock on this guy appears to be the strikeouts mm-hmm. um you know, this is a player, it's, it's kind of wild to think of. Corbin Burns, in his second year, Ray, was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Like, really was awful. It kind of, who was it, Roy Halladay? It wasn't Roy Halladay, like, just dreadful for a bit with the Blue Jays, and nope. then he went back to the went Miners, figured it out, and became Roy Halladay. Corbin Burns has done that, too. I mean, there there is a lot that has been accomplished by him over the last four years. I, I think and I don't know if this still plays because of interleague and all that, the constant matchups. But I, I always kind of like a, a pitcher like this who maybe has the pitch that that can get him those strikeouts going to a new league and, and just kind of being something fresh for Yankee and Red Sox and Ray hitters to to kind of deal with. I, I, I think that number, it, it's very hard to predict where K rates go, but I, I think there's a chance he could get back into the high nines, low tens this year. Well, he could, but I mean,
0: his CSW is down, his swinging strike rate is down, his first pitch strike rate is down. Like everything everything pulled back to the point where I'm so comfortable saying he's a strikeout inning guy, but it it pulled back across the board, which makes me concerned. Ten and a half or whatever we used to be. Now again, a strikeout—if he gets you 197 strikeouts in you know 202 innings, yeah, cares like who cares, right? So we're we're quibbling here a little bit. Uh, The the move to the new—that's tough because of all the free agent see anymore in the interleague play and all that maybe right And this we have seen this happen with players we saw it happen with stevenson last year when he went to the Rays. maybe the orioles notice something and tweak a pitch maybe they add a pitch maybe they pull something back and maybe he surges again because he gets different voices in his ears they have different analytic departments so they they help him change the shape of this pitch or that pitch or the way through there are there are nuances even for a guy at the level of corbin burns that maybe that is the biggest impact going to the Orioles, not necessarily in a new league, but getting a chance to have other people in his ear that might teach him something or tweak something that he's already doing.
1: And, and one thing to keep in mind here, Ray is Camden yards, which became a lot more friendly. Um, and I don't have the numbers ahead of me, but I mean, home runs to left field, like fell off a cliff last year. Didn't they? I mean, they, they made that switch with the fence and moved it back. Um, I believe the home runs really dipped to left field. Now the overall ballpark can still give up home runs, but I bring up left field because you're mostly facing right-handed hitters, you know, and guys who are trying to pull it. And And Burns had that one really bad year for home runs. And then since then, Ray, he's been pretty good on the home run front. So that that's one of those things we try to quantify with pitchers on the move is all the ballpark. This is probably a bit of an improvement for him getting to Camden over Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, if you look at how things went the last three years, 2021 to 2023, Canyon yards, according to park factors, was 12th in home runs. Last year was 23rd. So that's yeah. a huge change, to your point. I mean, that's a doubling of, of where we're at. So, yeah, it's not a scenario where the ballpark is is – Uh, something that you should be panicked or nervous about with Corbin Burns there are you know being in the AL East you face all these lineups and that, you know that's 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 an issue right because the the opponents I think are pretty damn good but the ballpark itself in Baltimore shouldn't be something that leads you to be overly concerned about the home run in Corbin Burns
1: I've got a graph here Uh, this is ballparkpal.com and looking at Oriole Park Ray Mm -hmm. down the line down the left field line home runs are 37 percent lower at there, last year, they were 37% lower than the typical Major League ballpark. Straight to left field, home runs were down 34% from the typical left field in baseball. Left center field, about 7%. Now, center to right field, everything's better at Oriel Park. So it's, it's one of those things it's like, yeah, hit it to left field. Go for it. Um, so we'll see if that is a help for Corbin Burns. Um, on the overall slate, Ray, mm-hmm. of fantasy pitchers. You know, we'll talk a lot about you know pitchers in that position weeks from now, and obviously it'd be a huge discussion. It always is. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mentioned where's he rank? If you look at NFBC ADP right now, I mean top five even before this move. You got Strider, you got Cole. Now Otani is it, but he's not gonna pitch. So in effect, Corbin Burns is number four, number three. Right. Zach Will or Kevin Gaussman. I mean, that's that's the level of pitcher we're talking about. This is maybe, according to fantasy drafters, the best pitcher in baseball being traded here in February.
0: Yeah, I, we upped him in the rankings at fantasyguru.com by one spot because I don't, like we're talking, I don't think it's an appreciable change, a new environment, a winning environment, ballpark's not a huge issue, all these kind of things, but he was already top 10. So it's not, it's not easy to make leapfrog. Oh, by the way, just to mention this because I've, I've uh heard this from multiple people i encourage everyone to read the disclaimer at the top of the rankings pages both for pitching and hitting at fantasyguru.com So I, i've had multiple people say ray your rank, your projections they're not my projections on the rankings page as it okay. says right at the top they're steamer projections i'm not in charge of that i have nothing to do with that because people look at my rankings and they try to match yeah. the projections like well that's just there because everyone wants to see projections that's mm-hmm. I, I don't factor steamers projections in to tell me how to rank guys so just be clear on that. Those are not my projections. That's why I can have a guy ranked higher than another guy and their numbers look worse. Um, but yeah, I think that Burns is clearly and should be drafted as an SP1. The question is, how high do you want to push him? Uh, and I think that, you know, when you're taking a, a starting pitcher that early, you have a decision to make, right? And one of the decisions I think you should make, and who knows if it actually holds up, but one of the decisions I think you should make is you need to take someone, if you're going to be the early bird at the pitching spot, that is going to be on the field. And for right now, at least, Corbin Burns looks like one of these. Guys. He's not Blake Snell, whose innings pitch total goes all over the place. He's giving you 195 innings. He's there. He's in the prime of his career, physically, age-wise, all that kind of stuff. I think he's a good guy to have as your SP one.
1: Feels like a lot of guys who are SP ones this year, Ray, have normally been SP twos. And what I mean by that is when, I, like Spencer Strider, I know he's young, and so it's hard to say he was an SP two. But like Zach Willer, Kevin Galsman, Luis Castillo, um, George Kirby, Pablo Lopez, Zach Gallen, Aaron Nola. Like, honestly, Ray, I hear those names and those are going as SP1s this year. To me, if you just say Zach Willer in fantasy, oh, SP2. If you say George Kirby, SP2 um pablo lopez <laughs> it's like that's an sp3 baby to be it, it's amazing to look at the and corbin burns to me was a little more of an sp2 than an sp1 now a lot of people made it but ray these guys have now been pushed to the front of the class and that that kind of speaks to what everybody has to deal with with pitching is there are no sure things there are no guys who've been doing it eight years outside of garrett cole but th- these other guys are i kind of feel like we're in such a There's a lot of inflation. How about that? I'll go with inflation, it feels like, with these guys being boosted well within the top 10 of the position. Well, Corbin Burns is 6'3",
0: 230, and he's 29 years old. I mean, he's got the build. Go. And that's I mean, that's kind of... Pablo Lopez, who took, what, about four years to prove he could stay healthy. The last two years he stayed healthy, and last year in particular, his strikeout rate shot to the moon. It doesn't take much. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and... I'm not saying as a fantasy space we're chasing numbers at the pitcher position, but we kind of do because it's almost like we need to be con- – it needs to be confirmed when you're talking about taking a guy in the third round or second round. It needs to be confirmed that this guy's going to be there, right? Because we can all talk about Tyler Glasnow and like, love Tyler Glasnow, but the guy can't throw 130 innings, which is why I'm shocked to see him listed at the NFFC – NFBC, excuse me. He's a top-12 pitcher.
1: Yeah. How?
0: <laughs> he can't throw 130 innings. Like how is he – you know, these other guys like Burns and Wheeler and Cole, yeah, they're going to give you the innings. So, again, that's – that's. I don't take pitching early. I don't think you take pitching early either, Kyle. But if you're going to take the pitching early, it's not the time to be a hero. If you're going to do it, you need to get a guy that's going to throw you 180 innings. At least give yourself a chance with that because otherwise you're putting yourself behind the proverbial eight ball.
1: I'm just glad I'm in a 16-team uh, keeper league and uh, I've got Cole and Kirby. I'm in a good spot on pitching. (laughs) That's that's fun to carry over from one year to the next. (laughs) I I picked
0: up Corbin Burns in my dynasty league because of the struggles he had, right? He was a free agent in 2020. I picked him up in September for a dollar. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) One of the
1: best moves ever, Ray.
0: Yeah, I know, right? That's what happened because, again, he had the high up here and then he tanked and no one knew. And I said, what the hell? I'll take a chance. He's had a couple of nice starts. So, yeah, I've had Burns now for years in my Dynasty League, and I'm obviously reaping the benefits of that.
1: I think overall, too, um, it's probably good to get him out of Milwaukee. That relationship uh, seemed very sour, you know, and I don't think he's probably excited about this. And obviously he goes from a team that is in a rebuild to now a team that is aiming for a World Series, frankly, when you look at Baltimore uh, going into free agency as well. I mean, th- this is a really nice setup. Now, sometimes it can be so nice that you almost expect it to fail, <laughs> but like this is is the move Orioles fans wanted. It's the move Burns wanted. I don't see the Orioles like extending them. Maybe they get crazy with this new ownership and force it. I, I kind of think he's one and done. Um, which which for some people, Ray, uh, you say rental. I hey, the team's ready to win. Mm-hmm. They have this need. Mm-hmm. They didn't give up a ton. They're loaded with prospects. Yep. I mean, this is this is a great move for Baltimore. Um, And it makes sense for Milwaukee. As for what the Brewers got, Ray, D.L. Hall is a huge arm that we've been hearing about. He's never we've never really figured out if he's a bullpen or a starter. Have to think with Milwaukee, they're going to give him a chance to be a starter. Uh, They get an infield prospect, Joey Ortiz. Uh, Baltimore is kind of like Cincinnati. They've they've got all these infield prospects and stuff. It was crowded. Joey Ortiz is almost aging out of prospect world. So he's probably going to be playing with Milwaukee. Um, and then they get a first round pick coming up, a compensatory pick. So it's like in the 30s. But Ray, right, in effect, they've got a guy to join the rotation and hopefully a, an everyday infield starter in Joey Ortiz.
0: Yeah. And I, the whole thing, it's new and it's breaking. And we're trying, I didn't, see, I, saw, I saw multiple reports that said the following, which is like I wrote it from my office. Deal Hall is going to be a starter in the long term. We don't know if he's going to start now. So until the team comes out and tells us what the plan is, it's very unclear where he's well, going to be. be. No
1: doubt is there.
0: Well, he was so successful in the bullpen, and he's had health. Well, I know you're shaking your head, but he was yeah. successful there. He he wants to start. The Orioles have always said we'd love him to go back into the rotation. So I think it's fair to think that's the the, the play here. But note that he threw what seventy five innings last year, and in oh, 2022, he threw, I mean, he threw I mean, ninety for, innings.
1: Yeah, but to get to one hundred and twenty, he shouldn't be.
0: I mean, again. That makes sense, but also I have to factor in, has he for the last four months been training to relieve, or has he been preparing himself to start? So I, looking at the roster that the Brewers have, it makes much more sense for him to be a starter, to your point. Mm-hmm. Looking at his pedigree and track record, I think it makes much more sense to at least give him a try there. What's interesting to me, and this has been noted, I'm not making something up here that's new, there, are, you know, when you start tearing a team down, when you, when you trade your best pitcher, right, and Corbin Burns, you have to start questioning, as you said, where are the, the the Brewers at, and the Brewers have Devin Williams. Why are they paying a closer huge money to win eighty? Well, games? and if
1: Williams were to be traded, which is po- very possible, then I could see Hall going to the bullpen. But as become the closer day. then. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that's I, I'm a, I'm going to be very interested to see the the press conference where they talk about this to see. If we can get any
1: clarity with it, he's got to be a starter for this team because their teams, it, they have a need. It's like, and no offense to relievers out there, but you're a reliever for a reason. And I think DL Hall, I, he hasn't proven to me you got to be a reliever. Like, we got to get him into the rotation, give him 15 starts. Let's see if there's something to build on here. Um, and and Milwaukee's got what pay amps. I mean, they got other guys they can turn to if Devin Williams moves on. Remember, Devin Williams when he came up, was nothing like, oh, wow, a superstar closer. Nobody thought that. Um, he was a one-pitch guy who nobody could hit the pitch, <laughs> and they're still not hitting it. Uh, but I, I think D.L. Hall is, I would suspect, outside of a Williams trade, he's he's going to go into that rotation. And I would take a very late call on him in a draft. I would have no – whether it's bullpen or starter, I think the talent's there. And Ortiz Ray, again, I, gosh, I, I saw the possible other – third baseman or whatever from Milwaukee mm-hmm. and it was hideous. And I don't know how good Ortiz is at third versus how good he is at second or short or all these things. I don't know that. But they're gonna find a spot for him in this infield, I think, too. Yeah, I
0: think that, you know, and, and we always turn to uh fangraphs for their roster resource because it's a good source for people kind of looking at what projections are for lineups and such. And they stuck Ortiz in at third base. Okay. And you know, I mean if you look at it, uh Andrew Monastiero Serio. Oh, that me. was the
1: name. Yeah, I looked at that. Name yeah, it's like,
0: <laughs> and I know I had my hand up in a 15-team mix. Like I picked him up for two weeks last year because I had a agent <laughs> when I had injuries. But yeah, so it's it certainly does look like that now. The problem with Ortiz directly is that you know he profiles as a good major league player, but he's not a 30 home run guy. He's not a 20 steal guy. Like he's not a sexy or exciting yeah. fantasy play. But if he's playing every day in a lineup, like I said, there'll be times probably in a mixed league where you might consider going in his direction in 2004.
1: Yeah. I mean, his, his slash line last year, and it was all at, what was it? Yeah, all at triple A. It's only 90 games, but 321, 378, 507. Um, and he, so he's a guy who has a clue hitting. But, but again, he is a little older, 25 years old, coming into this season. So uh, the trade is in the books. I think everybody was waiting on a Dylan Cease trade. That has not happened. Um, instead it's Corbin Burns going to the Baltimore Orioles. And again, congrats to them and their fan base for a little excitement, uh, a bit different in San Francisco, Ray. Um, the giants are a team in need of some moves and and not that they haven't tried anything. I mean, they made the trade for uh, Robbie Ray. Let's not forget that. Uh, there've been some other moves as well, but, uh, I guess it was Bob Melvin. Uh, I think on a local radio station in San Francisco, they said, well, are you guys done? You know, you're two weeks out from spring training. And he goes, no, we want to get some guys, but we're uh, in effect getting stonewalled by Scott Boris. (laughs) And Ray, it's not just the Giants. Boris has Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, probably some others too, but those are four big ones. And none of those guys have deals right now. And the history says, Ray, the longer these guys wait, as we get into February, no matter where they end up, History suggests it ain't so easy to just hit the ground running uh, with these new teams and to just land and be comfortable and ready to go for the upcoming season.
0: I think that's fair. I also think history shows us that somehow Scott Boris convinces someone to give his client the most money anyone ever expected. Yeah. So it's a, you know, if you're, you know, I've said this before, if I'm a player, Scott Boris is my guy. He's going to get me.
1: guys, Those guys are showing a lot of faith in him mm-hmm. because I, I think any human being mm-hmm. Right, obviously, they want to know where they're at. Their family wants to know where they're at. Everything, and can you imagine the last three months? If you're like a good buddy with Blake Snell, and you're like, "Where are you gonna be this year?" Where are you like everybody's asking Blake Snell, family, friends, all that. Where are you gonna be? Uh, I'm waiting for Scott. Like, I, like this is pure trust in your agent to, to, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you. I'm gonna get a ton of money, but I'm gonna have to sit through an off season in total limbo.
0: Yeah, we've heard rumors of Snell to Seattle into new york okay all the way across the country <laughs> uh, i think that i i look it's his job is to get his clients the most money possible uh the players association loves it because his clients drive up the price of everyone else okay from a real world perspective if i'm a player i just said i'd hire him at some point i'm calling him up and saying scott make a deal like this mm-hmm. is i can't go make a deal right like i i, I get what you're t- make the deal uh <laughs> and i think that you know a lot of it's shocking to think we're months into free agency and there are still all-star caliber players on on the free agency i mean it's Mm -hmm. shocking This no other sport would be this way baseball baseball should do something to generate off-season excitement they should they should should create some system like the other sports where they try to actually get the best players immediately on their team
1: i'll tell you something Ray. at once a week Throughout the entire offseason, we line up the top fifteen free agents, right. and every week is devoted to getting that guy signed. <laughs> that guy must sign right on Sunday at eleven fifty nine. No. But uh, it's so
0: it, it, we deal with this every year, uh, and I love, and I know how I know exactly how this is going to play out. And I think you know, tell me if I'm, this is tracking, Kyle. You mentioned all these big name guys and everything. Giants are going to get one of the big names. Giants are going to get Matt Chapman. Yep, which is fine. He's from he played in the barrier with the A's. He's still a strong defensive player. His stat cast metrics were top 3% in all of baseball, even though the results weren't there. He's totally fine. That's not a franchise move. He's a really good player. That, that's a Giant move. So that's that's who they're going to get. They're not going to get Bellinger. They're not going to get Snell. I'd be shocked if they do that. And it's really interesting because I, I know a lot of – I know Giants fans and obviously growing up here and everything. There are a lot of people that are like mad at the Giants, and it's like, look, the Giants offer contracts. They can't make players take it. hmm and this happens in all the sports. People as fans say, well, why aren't they doing this? And I hate them. They're not making moves. All they can do is offer the contract. They can't force the player to take it. And for whatever reason, because of five blocks in San Francisco, uh, where people shit on the sidewalk, because of that, no one wants to come to the Giants. It's the craziest thing of all time. The Bay Area is fantastic. You're, you're, everything is here. Mountains, snow, rain, ocean. You're... But no, they earthquakes won't come. even you even get earthquakes. Even so, out there. yeah, right. <laughs> they won't come to they, people. The players think that SF is a as an asshole.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's really I, I would have no problem, I, would,
1: I would have zero problem going there. I mean zero. I, yeah. I you know, I, I'm sorry, but Dallas doesn't interest me. <laughs> you know, got, I'm, I'm sorry. Even New York, I I wouldn't want to be in New York. I'd rather go to San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather be in San Francisco than LA. Now I guess people just want to win, but you know, who knows? Um, it's, it, you know, what's interesting with those four guys, all, all Boris Klein's right, is overall, you know, maybe it could switch slightly based off signing, but me as a fantasy player and drafter, I really want nothing to do with any of these four guys this year. Like I'm I Bellinger for no way. Snell, no way. Like those are easy, you know, and maybe I end up with them somewhere just because of the moment, but There's no targeting of any of these four guys. Like, I'm not Chapman, Snell, Bellinger, even Montgomery, right? Not targets, let's say, that for me at all this season.
0: Yeah, Snell is very interesting. Just like Bellinger, these two guys had fantastic seasons last year. But when you dive into the numbers, it's like, I'm not sure, A, in the short term, if they can repeat it. And, B, I'm pretty certain in the long term they can't. So, eh, you know, it's it's really difficult – to envision either one of those guys being someone I would want to give 250 million dollars to, uh, I think Montgomery is probably the safe. Montgomery and Chapman are the two safe players. They might be the the low the lower floor players, but I also feel like they're reaching their floor. Uh, these other two guys, Bellinger and Snell, I agree with you. Like I, I, as a team, I'd be reluctant to give them the money, and in the fantasy space, I'm reluctant to buy in
1: on them as well. Uh, Johnny jumps in, Ray, and says he'd rather be homeless in Florida than, than living in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, and let me let me ask you, let's I, honestly, Johnny, Florida's I'm, got a great swimming pool, Ray. That's, that's yeah. Now you don't want to be in the inner part of Florida, but hey, you do have an ocean if you want to make that argument.
0: Johnny, have you ever been? Have you ever been to San Francisco? Or you oh, just, I'm you sure
1: I, nobody would say that. I, I would
0: say this: yeah. there are a lot of people, not just not me. I'm saying a lot of people, people, yeah, that think Florida's an asshole. <laughs> You go in it. What's the thing? You go into Google and you type in anything that's ever happened in the history of the world in Florida, and it's happened there.
1: There's Florida man, Florida man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's again, it it all. Hey, look, I'm just telling you that that, again, I've lived here my whole life, so I'm biased. Yeah, but there's culture. Yeah, it's a great Uh, place. And and I have
1: not lived there my whole life. I've visited multiple times. I have no connection (laughs) to Sanford, but like a lot of cities are like this, right? I love Chicago. People think Chicago is, you know, whoa, you're gonna get lucky to get out of there without getting a bullet wound in your butt, you know.
0: <laughs> you know? Sure, man, but, awesome. it,
1: but I love it. It's it's fantastic, and and everybody, hey, different strokes for different yep. folks. Some people don't want to be in giant cities. Yep. Some people would much rather be in St. Louis than yep. or you you know, Milwaukee. Down. Yeah, yeah, in Milwaukee, all in all, the hey, I'm a city guy. That I I don't know. Um, there are very few. Ray, is there a city you've been to that you said, Wow, I don't like this city? Like, is, it, is any of those that you've been to and you say, Well, this isn't something I could even do? Is St. Louis one of those for you? St.
0: Louis is not one of those. I stayed on the right side of the, the river, like you told me to.
1: <laughs> well, you didn't um, go to we, Illinois. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, New York, New York, yeah, I got, yeah,
0: I can't, it's too much.
1: Yeah, too yeah. much. Too crazy. In
0: San Francisco's major metropolitan area, I've got Oakland. New York is too much.
1: uh, L.A. is kind of – but L.A. proper is different from L.A. the region. Right, right. Like L.A. proper, I don't think – you know, it's just too tight. Too tight. Too much traffic.
0: It takes an hour and a half. I mean, traffic's bad here in L.A. It takes an hour and a half to go like five miles. Like, hell no.
1: As the song says, the uh, highway is always creeping – even when the population is sleeping in L.A., <laughs> there it is. Okay, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, sports. Um, Ray, let's get to your draft guide. Every day this week, we've been uh, kind of well, every day for the few last few weeks and the upcoming weeks, talking about a column kind of spotlighting um, a stance you've got in the uh, very very strong fantasy guru fantasy baseball draft guide. Uh, this week, we've been talking about chopping off categories or, or finding switches um for categories ray what do you think here um categories to add lot to deal with here now we've talked about some of these this week we've mm-hmm. talked about solds we've talked about quality starts net wins quality starts plus wins obviously yesterday or no two days ago um on base percentage ops plus but even other items that you kind of throw out here as well
0: yeah because you've been joking and i mentioned it's opinion week uh, over at FantasyGuru.com. we've had Head-to-head week, we're doing opinion week, we're starting best ball week, like we're trying to... Rookie week we had, so we're trying to kind of group everything together. And all week, an article's at fantasyguru.com, again, promo code FSD20. And here on the show, we've talked about it, you've made fun of me. Well, well, let's go on the other side. What are we going to add if we're taking things away? We can't play a one-by-one league, right? So we're not going to do a strikeout and home run league. So these are just some ideas and, you know, you can get... And, and this is something we talked about, too. And you brought up the math part of this. Like, people don't want to have to do math. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean, you know, war. Does anyone know what war is? It's Nobody. everybody. Nobody. Okay, but... I don't that mean? Think the no
1: equation knows what war is,
0: does he? <laughs> no, the, the equation's 197 <laughs> characters. It's massive. So these are some readily available, easily understood ways that we could improve the way we record we talked yesterday in particular about batting average being replaced by on base percentage um so these are some you know we've talked about quality start quality start wins over wins and here are some other simple ways i think the only one on this list that people may not know is troubles Uh, and that's something i've written about for years i think it was ron hunt back in 1995 when he was writing at usa today or something uh, talked about this and troubles is very simply you add doubles and triples together
1: so the guys it affect you're adding doubles. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, back back when this was invented, guys had hit triples, but yeah, I mean, this was and I would think back in the time when this article came out for those of you that are older and baseball fans, like Joe Randa, Jeff Cirillo, these kind of guys that are really good players, but they're hitting twelve home runs and everyone else is hitting thirty six. So, yeah. troubles is a way to, you know, kind of get into the middle area if you want to keep it simple and basic and, and kind of expand the player pool a little bit. Again, that's doubles and triples. But I think the rest, Kyle, I think most people understand.
1: Yeah. Joey Ortiz might be good in the troubles league. Maybe, maybe that's uh, where True. he would find the one that uh, I, I want to spend a little time on strikeout rate. Uh, because this isn't a, a giant departure, Ray, from strikeouts. Mm-hmm. I think most everybody who cares about this stuff, they know that nine per nine is good. Mm-hmm. You know, anything above that is is better. Uh, you've mm-hmm. won a nine. Um, it does also give a little credit to the fact that the day and age we're in. Mm-hmm. That, frankly, 140 innings is like the max for 80% of the league. You know, 90% of the league, maybe 140 innings. So, it, it, you know, if you get like a Garrett Cole or a Corbin Burns and they get their 230 innings, Ray, those guys can like win a strikeout category almost by themselves, you know, because everybody else doesn't have that guy. You know, they're trying to get three guys combined to 220 innings. And if you've got that horse knocking out, you know, that, that rare unicorn, the two or three guys, the, the, if you just go strikeouts, you can win that category with Garrett Cole or Spencer Strider if you were able to get that many innings, but strikeout rate would kind of eliminate that feature uh, for those rare guys who were still horses.
0: Yeah. And strikeout per nine is the number everyone knows. It's probably the number that should be used. If you're going to do this K rate is actually better, which is, you know, strikeouts per plate appearance. That number is actually more indicative of, you know, what we're trying to record, but then we're in the 22% range versus the nine or the eight and a half or whatever, like you're saying. So it's probably easier to go with the, k per nine and if you look at the k per nine to your point special strider was at 13-6 last year led baseball uh corbin burns who we were just talking about 9-3 massive difference right so that then a guy like strider flies up the board a guy like a roldis chapman flies up the board you know uh back when edwin diaz you know number one relief pitcher but when he's striking out half the guys he faces he goes even earlier so i think if you use it on the pitching side you have to be careful if you go to the rate situation yeah because that does start to tilt things toward relievers because mm-hmm. i'm looking at the the leaderboard right now last year amongst qualifiers there were 44 qualifiers 23 of them had a strikeout an inning so about half but that's a lot of guys you know jose barrio slogan gilbert chris bassett these guys that you're starting every time aren't even getting a strikeout an inning and then you have all these power relievers with 13 14 strikeouts per nine so you have to be careful there. But I would you consider using it on the offensive side, Kyle? I listed it in both spots. Would you only use it on the pitching side or would you consider it on the offensive side?
1: Uh, I don't think I'd consider it on the offensive side. I, it, I I think one danger you run into, Ray, is is the word rate which means ratio. We're now getting into that math thing that you said people fear. I mean, now you're getting into plate appearances and you got to quantify that. And then innings you're creating. And again, I get it. It's simple. And once you play a year with this, you'll probably never go back. That's usually what people say with this. It may take a little bit of adjustment. I, I don't dislike the strikeout rate for pitchers. uh, Just because it does give everybody a little more of a chance to bite the apple. You know, okay, I didn't get Garrett Cole, but I can still compete in strikeouts because I got Josh Hader, you know, and and that can lift those. Like you said, relievers get a little bit more of a boost here, uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. This game is driven by relievers. So to emphasize them a bit more in fantasy is is not something I disagree with. Uh, It just kind of depends on the size of your league too. also your standards. Like I'm in leagues where you have to have a certain amount of relievers. Versus leagues where you can just go you know, nine pitchers or whatever the thing is, and you can break it down however you'd like. Um, I think all of these are worth considering. I'm probably a little bit of a stick in the mud, Ray. The the only one I, the on-base percentage I'm fine with. If somebody wanted to get rid of batting average to go OBP, I would have no issue with that. Um, I'm still not there with getting rid of wins or saves, though. I'm I'm still old school with those things.
0: Well, that's fine. And do you think that, because your favorite league is a points league. You think it should be different in a points league versus a five by five scenario? Would you be well, willing what to I like change? about
1: the points league is all this stuff is factored in, mm-hmm. you know, we do punish hitters for strikeouts. Mm-hmm. It's not strikeout rate, but every time you strike out, you lose a point.
0: Right.
1: Every time you draw a walk, you get a point, you know, it's kind of an OBP league and a strikeout league, you know? So um, when, when you have power, you know, you get two points for a double three for a triple four, for a home run, you get a point for a run. So I mean, there's all these different categories, um, People may hate this, Ray, but when our offensive players make errors, we count it against huh. the guy.
0: Well, okay. Uh,
1: now, it's hard to make an error in Major League Baseball anymore. But, and, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, you lose 10 points. Nobody's points. paying attention. Yeah. I mean, we lose points for balks. Okay, you know, you're school. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We lose points for wild pitches. Okay. So, I mean, these things are very minimal. They happen seven times a year. You know, mm-hmm. it's nothing dramatic, but uh, it gets us to 15 scored categories on both sides of the ledger. What do
0: you think about a couple of simple things here? Net stolen bases, net saves. I mean, Man. to me, if we're going to record the positive, why not the negative? Batting average records the negative. ERA and WHIP record the negative. You you made a face. You don't like net saves or net sales?
1: Um, net saves is okay. I, I don't hate – I don't like net stolen bases. I just – give me stolen bases. I mean, frankly – Ray, net stolen bases. Who got thrown out the most? Light? Was it um, Was it Ruiz? Let's look it up. No, it wasn't Ruiz. I'm trying to think. who. It was somebody way high. He stole... Was it Acuna? No, that wouldn't have been it. No, I'll, I'll get it here in a second. I should yeah, know that was, offhand, but... There was somebody who got thrown out a ton like He stole a lot of bases, too.
0: The, the two top guys were Witt with 15, and Acuna okay. with
1: 14. Who, who was number two there? Acuna, 14. Acuna, yeah. So, to me, Ray... Okay, I guess is Ron Acuna or Bobby Witt not as valuable? Give him the credit for the steals. I, You know, I, I kind of like the idea that they're running. I'm not going to dock them for Well,
0: what happens when you have a Jeremy Pena who had 13 steals and was caught nine times? That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. He was He was fourth in baseball and caught steals, and he stole 13 bases.
1: Well, but the other side, Ray, is you're already kind of docking them because they're not getting the run score that you would expect. You That's know? fair. So. I, I I don't hate it, but I I think again it's another stat that is kind of just looking for fairness instead of just give me the stat who's stealing the bases. You know that's what you want. Say a Suzuki would have been a minus one. Woo six, six steals, seven caught stealing. That's not good. Minus one. Now that now that matters. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, at least Acuna. What what he end up with net steals?
0: Seventy three. So yeah. he ended up at fifty
1: nine. Yeah, so a little bit lower oh by the way what was the story ruiz do you got that in front of you how many uh, let's
0: look that up let's see here
1: let me find Ruiz. Had a lot of steals i, I don't yeah a ton of steals they
0: we talked about the other day for some reason the athletics decided to, to bench him at the end of the season he was caught 13 times and he had 67 steals
1: okay not a bad percentage there but there you see it the form, some categories to add and of course you can find more in the column that ray has up in the fantasy guru draft guide uh let us continue with the baseball and continue and also finish the first base discussion that we've had all week long on the show uh, we always start you with a DYK. Did you know Tristan Cassis, who was a rookie last year? We're going to talk about rookies later. Uh, Tristan Cassis, as a rookie, became the first Red Sox rookie since Fred Lynn in 1975 to lead the team in OPS. 857 for Tristan Cassis. Furthermore, uh, he is the fourth Boston rookie to lead the team in walks. Uh, He's like the first since 1965 or something like that. Uh, Ted Williams was a rookie who led the Red Sox in walks. But, Ray, I bring that up because um, Tristan Cassis was a bum for the first six weeks of last year. Mm -hmm. He sucked. I was surprised they didn't send him down, honestly, Ray. He was that bad. Uh, But, man, oh, man, he turned it around in the second half. And as the stat and did you know indicates – started to get on base, started to hit home runs. He finished really high in the rookie standings. When you look at it, I know Henderson won the thing by a mile, Mm -hmm. but Tristan Cassis finished really well as a rookie last season.
0: Yeah, 367 on base percentage, 490 slugging percentage. That's an 856 OPS. That's an all-star level season. And I don't think that, I think the way it occurred last year was surprising. To your point, he started slowly and he he was wonky, right? But then he caught fire and for months he was just that guy. I think there was always a reasonable expectation he would be that guy now in the first year you're playing full-time that's asking a lot and let's just hope that you know totally different players but let's hope he doesn't go andrew benintendi where the best is at the start and then it kind of wow. i i don't think that's going to happen i think the approach that Cass has had is excellent uh he takes a walk he understands the strike zone he's not a big strikeout guy right he's not one of these guys with a 35 percent strikeout rate so he really does control the strike zone well he's got a good approach. Um, I think he's very comfortable there. He had that late success. Uh, I think it's more of the same moving forward for Tristan Casas.
1: Okay. So a good rookie season, no doubt, which leads us to the class of this year's rookies, Ray, at first base. Um, and we got a couple of them profiled there and both these guys, we got to see, um, well, wait, no, Manzardo did not. We did not get right. to see. He was involved in that trade yep. and gosh, for all the world, Ray, I thought immediately that the guardians would bring him up. They'd gotten rid of Josh Bell. You know, they got rid of Savale. Here's the big catch. I thought they would bring him in. They did not. Um, so they kept him in the minors, talking about Kyle Manzardo. And then we see the guy at the top, Ray, who did make the major leagues, and nobody expected this because he was drafted last year. And then all of a sudden, the uh, Angels are bringing up, is it Chanel? Chanel? I'm trying to Chenuel. think. Chenuel. Yes. yes. Nolan Chenuel. Let's start with Chenuel. Since we have seen him in the big mm-hmm. leagues, Ray, Um, came right out of college and I think it was three weeks, four weeks in the minors. It was nothing. And he was up in the big leagues. Uh, what'd you think of the go around in the big leagues for him?
0: Yeah. And I've got a a couple of notes for each guy that's on the screen there. And that's from the scouting report. Uh, did, obviously we have a top 50 rookies for the fantasy game at fantasyguru.com. We also have a huge scouting report breakdown for hitters and pitchers. So that's partly what you see there. Uh, I think in the case of Chanuel, he's he's a fascinating guy. Picked him up, I think, for $11 in my dynasty league when he got called up. Um, he's fascinating because, as I note there, he profiles as like Mark Grace. The thing with Chanuel is he's 6'4", 220. He's a big <laughs> dude, right? But he put, he's he got, if there's ever been a, a guy with an inside-out stroke, it's him. Like you can, you can see it even if you don't know what the hell it is. It looks different. His stroke is different. His control of the strike zone is exquisite like exquisite we're talking more walks and strikeout kind of guy like he is fantastic he profiles as a 280 hitter right now with a 375 on base percentage and 12 home runs (laughs) so uh, he's basically that's not gonna cut it is it really well that's the thing he does everything right everything you possibly could want he does right except at this point he doesn't drive the baseball and when you're talking about a first baseman it's really tough to have your first baseman hit like your second baseman, which is kind of what we got here. So it's almost like if you take Chanuel in a mixed league, you need to have Brandon Lowe as your second baseman. And he needs to hit 37 home runs, right? So he Chanuel is a real-world, strong baseball player. Fantasy game, he's a, there's a little bit of doubt. I think the key for Chanuel is not hitting 7th or 8th. The key would be for him to hit 2nd. If that yeah. happens, things change. But I don't think that's the way that they plan on starting things. With
1: well, with the understanding of how things usually go in Anaheim, uh, everybody else is going to fall off the wagon and he's going to get boosted to like two or three in this lineup. But I, I, it's a cool story because we never see this this quickly. It kind of caught everybody off guard. But I, to me, it's like there's still so much growth we'd have to see for me to get excited about him yeah. from a fantasy perspective. Ray's right? kind of been hammering that point home is it's fine to have this guy as your first baseman, uh, but as a fantasy first baseman, it's pretty lacking Uh, for the angels. Cool. Whatever. But you know, for fantasy pretty weak, Manzardo Ray um, has got more going on at the dish. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, we've yet to see him. It's kind of been floating around for two or three years and and we still haven't gotten our look. It it should happen this year, but it may not even happen early for him, I guess, with the guardians.
0: Yeah. and, And you know, inside baseball stuff, right if someone out there is telling you, Manzardo, 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 draft Manzardo, ask them, what are you doing since he's not on the 40-man roster? (laughs) Um, Because how the 40-man roster works, right? There's 25 players on a major league roster. They have a 40-man big league roster. You have to be on the 40-man roster to be called up to the big leagues, okay? If you're not on the 40-man roster, Manzardo isn't at the moment. Someone else has to be exposed to waivers to do that. Mm -hmm. So, and in fact... When the Guardians make the decision to put Manzardo on the 40-man roster, they either have to take someone that's on the 40-man roster and put them on the injured list, or they have to drop someone, and then by dropping them off the 40-man, expose them to another team just grabbing them. Yeah. So it's a, it's a double-edged thing here. Manzardo, I think, is ready right now to be a contributor. It's very possible he makes the opening day roster because someone gets hurt or they make a move. That's totally within the realm of possibility. But right now he's not on the 40-man roster, and that does create some issues.
1: Yeah, and, and I just think, Ray, for the Guardians, uh, do they have to have him on day one? T- to me, this really isn't a franchise that makes that sort of move. Now, maybe Manzardo just tears the cover off the ball in spring training and they force forced to bring him up, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he starts the year in the minors and, and they just slow play it. And maybe it's up in May or something, mm-hmm. which is fine. I don't think anybody's drafting this guy to be their everyday fantasy first baseman in April. He's kind of a bench round guy at this juncture, I think.
0: Yeah, and even as a bench-run guy, I mean, like, if you're in a 10- or 12-team league and you're drafting today, you can't draft him. In a 15-team mm. league, if you want to take him as your last guy and see, okay. Because as I, as it says there on the graphic, like, dude has got legit home run power, and he's got he's got a strong approach at the plate. He doesn't strike out a lot. Like, this is a skill set that, yeah, like, this is really good, and it's very likely to produce significant production in the fantasy space when he's given the opportunity. I just don't know when that opportunity is going to be.
1: Another name to uh, keep in mind, um, like, you know, we see it. We see, you know, it's early, it's a rookie. You don't want to decide a guy, but in Chicago, Ray, Matt Mervis got called up last year and fell on his face. Yeah. Uh, It was, it was dreadful. What was it? 32 strikeouts and 99 plate appearances. Um, It's not good. He did hit a couple home runs, so that's good. 32 strikeouts. Yeah. Four to one strikeout to walk ratio there. Yeah. There's a shot here, Ray, just because the the Cubs don't have like certainty at first base. Was it Bush that they traded for from L.A.? Um, Now, the thing is, Bush, I would put him as a better prospect maybe than Mervis.
0: I think that's fair. Uh,
1: So we'll see. But I mean, Bush could run away with this job. And Matt Mervis is nothing but trade fodder. But we'll throw his name in here. I don't think he's draftable. I think Seattle's got a guy. Um Tyler Locklear, who's considered it's not a super great position right now with with rookies. You know, it's it's a little light, just like the position is there's nobody imminent Ray that is just gonna explode to be a top 12 guy. I think well,
0: I, I think that's fair. And we have guys like Michael Toglia, Nick Prado who are yeah. supposed to be a you know, 2590 guys and they've petered out. Let's hope that Matt Mervis doesn't go down that area, right? So yeah, first base is not in a lull, it's not like it's never been worse, but there's not a lot of first base prospects other than the guys we just mentioned, really, that yeah. appear likely to make an impact this season. Uh, and even then, as we're discussing, it's not clear that even these guys will make a huge impact this yeah. season.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a, a Tristan Casas in the in the crew, probably for this year.
0: Manzardo could be, if he's, you know, he could be. But yeah, Matt Mervis, after what we saw last year, it, it, his uh, star is certainly on the on the downward trajectory.
1: Next week on the pod uh, here at fantasy sports daily, Ray and I will go to second base and we'll talk about that position. That's uh, been an entire week doing nothing but the guys who turn the double play. Uh, so that should be fun. I uh, hope you enjoyed first baseman. Again, you can find all these shows that are uh, cataloged on YouTube. So if you want to hear something else about first baseman, check in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now Friday to uh, get your fix. Uh, let's move to football. Got a few minutes here left in the show. Ray um, uh, final day for us to talk tight ends uh admittedly we didn't give them a load of time this week uh yesterday we talked about the studs and the duds all of that um with this position ray uh, one thing i did want to bring up to you we're in a draft last year travis kelsey first round people were taking him top five top six in a ppr setup um he he was fine he was not a superstar he didn't blow away the field he was fine and you know i hate anytime you say this like oh you you hate travis no no it's fine he he was fine okay you drafted for more i think that's fair to say his numbers were good. I mean, they, they stack up historically as an awesome season, okay? Mm-hmm. They're just not your typical Travis Kelsey season. Uh, late push at the end of the year has certainly helped him in the standing of minds. But, Ray, this also comes back to the depth. One of the arguments for Kelsey last year was he's going to give you so much more than anybody else. Right. Uh, that didn't happen. The other argument was even if you draft one of these other good guys like a Mark Andrews or something or a Kittle, there aren't many tight ends who are good that's changed. I think now, Ray, there, there are probably three or four extra names that you would have to throw in there as good, uh, which to me only drives home the point that I'm not going to draft these guys early. Uh, now we're still seeing Travis Kelsey in early drafts, go like third round. Uh, we're seeing Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta. These guys are still like in the first five rounds, but let it be known, Ray, uh, I'm not changing my theory for next season. There, there's actually more talent later. Uh, the The more I wait at the position, I think. Yeah, I think depending
0: upon your scoring setup, it's very possible that Kelsey was still number one in points per game this year. He mm-hmm. and Hawkinson were basically right there with one another. Kelsey missed a couple of games. So it's not – if he comes back, and all indications are that he'll come back, I would anticipate a season next year very similar to this season. I think it's totally fair. He's a top-five tight end. Easy, right? If He's healthy. But the field is catching up, to your point. Totally fair, totally correct. Uh, you've got a couple of guys in – kittle and andrews are starting to show some age right and i don't think we've seen a a drop off in kittle i think we saw some with andrews but again there's injury involved there so we have a couple of guys that are starting to get a little concerning if you're in a keeper league scenario something like that but then we've got laporta then we've got kincaid now we've got njoku surging like we've got guys that are looking like they're just McBride.
1: i think Trey Trey mcbride McBride is like a very side he's Sixth, seventh, eighth off the board at tight end. I love the call on McBride.
0: Trey McBride, who was, he was catching five or six passes every game down the stretch. We got Kyle Pitts, who we talked about earlier, who, you know, with the new offense, maybe a new quarterback, all that kind of stuff, hopefully will improve. Um, so those guys are all ascending. We've got a couple of free agents. I mean, Hunter Henry, theoretically, if he ends up somewhere, could be something. Dalton Schultz, the Texans have to make a decision whether they want to bring him back. That's a guy that can catch 65, 70 passes. So there is a lot of, I don't know if parity is the right word, but there's a lot of depth at this yeah. position relative to where we were a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, for a position where you only need one of them, you should be fine. You know, I didn't say that last year. Um, now, one of the big reasons, Ray, of, of the success was a guy like Laporta Kincaid, the rookies you mentioned. Um, as as we talk about guys who will be drafted this year, there is a name certainly at the top. The position overall is pretty weak for the NFL draft. Um, you know, they're Jatavian Sanders of Texas maybe gets in the second round. Brock Bowers of Georgia, Ray, is the name here. And, and the expectations. this guy's probably top 10. You know, this guy is expected to be like a Hawkinson. This guy is expected to be as good as Laporta, if not better. You know, this guy is the next Kyle Pitts. Let's hope he isn't really the next Kyle Pitts. <laughs> but, you know, that's uh, Brock Bowers has been for two years now, the guy people are talking about. Um, he's coming out of Georgia, Ray. And, and again, everybody would say, if I'm just ranking off talent, this guy's like top five, top six in the entire draft. But do the teams in the top 10 actually need Brock Bowers? And I, I looked at the list today, Ray, um, because one of the hits with Sam Laporta, the reason, I remember there was this big discussion in August last year, oh, which rookie tied in. And I was firmly in the pull of Laporta. Now, I didn't think he'd be this good, but I was firmly in that direction because of even last year with like no tight end, Detroit used the tight end a lot. And they had like three or four different guys catching touchdown passes. And I thought, man, they went out and got Laporta because they think he can do everything that they were using four guys to do last year. It really opened up the roster. Dan Campbell, X tight end, all that stuff. So so that worked. And I bring that up, Ray, because for Bowers, it's really important to land in a spot where they're going to use the tight end. And in the top 10, you know, I look at Washington and New England. It's like, okay, they could use a guy like Bowers, but they also need a quarterback more than a tight end so it's almost like they're not going to draft Bowers there unless they trade down um the Chargers seem like a good spot with Gerald Everett being a, a free agent um Tennessee and the Jets I think both those two teams that they, they kind of have their quarterback you know the Jets have Rogers the Titans have Levis those three teams are all drafting in the top 10 I think Bowers I'd really like him with the Chargers but even the Titans and the Jets I could kind of get behind that idea as well
0: yeah, and I think that what you're you're playing out where this guy's going to go, Bowers, and everything like that, it's just something I'd PSA right for me. Getting a lot of questions at fantasyguru.com about people making dynasty trades. Like, be careful, folks. I mean, mm-hmm. you're making trades where the coaching staff's changing, the draft hasn't happened. Like, you know, Bowers ends up in one spot, he goes Laporta, right? He ends up in another spot. He's not a starter you're right in right year game. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it really does matter Uh, Where these guys end up before we start prognosticating out what they're going to do, you know, in their first season, in particular in the league. Bowers, like you said, I mean, he's the best tight end prospect since Kyle Pitts, I guess it's fair to say. A lot of people say, you know, this is a George Kittle-like player, right? And that's extremely attractive. And you have to think that wherever he goes, he'll be featured in some sense, right? But we don't want it to be featured in a package of plays. We want it to be yeah. featured in the offense.
1: Well, and, and with teams like the Titans and the Jets, right, of course the Jets have Wilson and Hall, mm-hmm. but they don't have anything after those two.
0: Conklin just catches pa- – I mean, he catches four passes every week. But, but in terms yeah. of
1: like a playmaker, whether yeah. receiver or tight end, they got nothing after those right. two guys. Right. So that's like really exciting. Plus the, the Jets need O-line help. That's what they need. You could get away with saying, well, we kind of got We got a guy who can block. You know, he's not going to really – but so if, if that's another problem here, like Tennessee, I saw uh, – who they they uh, – Callahan mm-hmm. as their O-line coach, I think. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and Ray, that almost emphasizes, well, they're probably going to go O-line. You know, you bring in this legendary – so I, I really don't know where Bowers lands. Again, the sweet spot would be the Chargers. Like I could see that happening.
0: Especially with all the questions at the wide receiver position. Like if that were to happen – then we're gonna start getting the Sam Laporta. He's catching seventy-five passes. Yeah. Excitement with Bowers. If That's he goes
1: weird. to the Chargers, Ray, I bet Brock Bowers is going like top six at tight end. Like people are gonna be that amped about him. Well,
0: again, Kyle Pitts was that way, right?
1: I mean, I get don't it. remind us of Kyle Pitts. Right? <laughs> stop, Ray, stop. <laughs> um, other names, and again, none of these guys are first round. I don't even know if they're second round. I mentioned Tavian Sanders of Texas, Cade Stover. Of Ohio State, AJ Barner, Michigan. Maybe Jim Hardwall just waits to get AJ Barner in the sixth round because he knows the guy who knows. Uh Dallin Holker of Colorado State and Ben Senate of K-State. Um, not a not a thriving class. Last year was thriving uh at tight end. This year we got the one guy at the top, and we'll see where Brock Bowers lands. Uh again, Super Bowl next week, Pro Bowl, I guess. I, I don't know. It's Pro Bowl. It, going oh, right? I didn't even Yeah, last night, night. I saw Peyton Manning doing something and guys kind of roaming around a football field, but I have no idea what they were doing. I I don't know if it was like a a hunt for Twinkies or what. I I don't know what they were doing. I totally blew
0: it. I didn't pay any attention here at all. Oh my God, the NFC took the lead. Wow. Flag football prize money. I didn't pay any attention last night, Kyle. I blew it.
1: Well, I don't want you to pay attention now. It's certainly (laughs) not one of those things, Ray, where you go back and say what I miss. You okay, know, so I should go
0: write a baseball article after the yeah, show. And not, I think okay, so. okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will note, though, Ray, at the Elfrink household tonight, mm-hmm. my limping little guy, mm-hmm. um, he is pumped for the all star skills competition in the NHL. Pumped. So I will be watching that tonight. We always wonder who watches these things. Right. Dads of kids who are yeah. into the sport, <laughs> families of players, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we're making like a pizza night. My wife, oh, nice, I love Pizza tonight. We'll get well, he doesn't, he's a water guy. I was gonna say we'll get soda out, but we're not get gonna do that, no. yeah.
0: I'll have some beer, okay? Not him,
1: but I'll be watching it. Playing for a million bucks, man. We talked, yeah, about that's pizza. wild. Okay, that'll do it for Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Do get. The baseball draft guide, okay, folks. Check it out, it's never too early. I mean, literally, we are like two weeks away from pitchers and catchers. Uh, this is the entire season for $40. You know, people always say, Oh, $40 the whole damn season, people. Draft guide included. I mean, even a magazine, where are they going? they the magazines, Ray, are like 15 bucks. 15 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the printing presses are starting to demand a lot of extra money from where they were years ago. Um, So $40, not a bad deal. Now, again, use that promo code FSD20 to get the 20% off. Uh, Back at you next Monday, Super Bowl week. We will be talking Super Bowl each and every day here on the show, leading you up to the showdown between the Chiefs and the 49ers. There is a rumor percolating that perhaps Jeff Manns is going to stop by next week. If he doesn't, it's Ray's fault. But we'll we'll see if we can play on that. Um, And then, of course, baseball, second base and beyond. We will talk all things there. Okay, Ray, have a great week, and we'll check in Monday. That's good,
0: Cal.
1: Everybody out there, thank you for joining us, not only today, but throughout the week, throughout the months now. I guess we're into like two, three months of doing this uh, every day. So we love doing it Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. It is Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.